Does your mic work, Par? Oh, there she is. There she is. (sighs) Welcome to the Hey Var podcast. How you doing over there, Var? Well, I'm doing good. My pants are... Let me get situated. I'm doing great. Oh, good. Welcome back. Thank you. Well, Var, I've got these pants on that we got in India. If you're watching on Spotify, I'm so sorry. Have you worn yours yet? I didn't get that one. Well, I tell you what I learned today. I should not wear these when I'm working because they flap open. Yeah. Clear all and the way up till, to your belt buckle. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> They have a split from the ankle to the belt buckle. Well, I didn't know that till till today when okay. I was in front of people. Okay. I'm sorry, Spotify. That's okay. That was terrible. Okay. We'll work it out. Okay. I'm here. I'm here. Welcome to... Another round. I love it. I'm so glad we're back. <sighs> Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. The podcasting mics make me happy. My bar makes me happy. Yeah. It's a, it's a good place to be. It is. And so before we started recording, we were talking about Havar 1, 2, and 3.0 and mm-hmm. how we have entered into the 3.0. Do you want to tell our listeners the... Progression? Yes. Okay, so Havar 1.0 was us getting back together after our hiatus. Big from friendship other. blow up. That lasted 19 months. Whew. Three days and 22 hours. Oh, and 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, night, but minute 19 was sweet, wasn't it? <laughs> okay. And then... Havar 2.0 was us moving our, it's, I I don't know, I was going to say ministry, I don't think it was quite a ministry, but uh, from Flaws of Friendship over to Havar International. And 3.0 is us not going international. (laughs) (laughs) It's us not going anywhere. (laughs) But to this couch. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. Yeah, so um, and so you described Havar 3.0 as what? As a time of dividing and conquering and bringing back the spoil. Yes. And you described it as? Acceptance, sweetness, and depression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, Havar. Do you want to go into detail? No. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't think so. Well, it is a bittersweet thing where it was literally the day before. So we had changed Falls of Friendship to Havar International. And I was like saying my nighttime prayers. I'm like, Lord, this is it. Havar International is going to be my life. I dedicate my life to this, to my VAR. To me. Yeah. Yeah, to my VAR and to you, Lord, and to the international women's ministry that we shall have. And I literally, I mean, it's almost embarrassing now because this is what I, I'm literally saying this to the Lord, yeah. right? And then like, tw- <laughs> not even 24 hours. It was like, how long do you sleep? Eight hours? It was not even a, like, you know, they're like 24 hours later. No, it was like asleep. I went to sleep. I woke up and the Lord's like, you guys are done. International <laughs> ministry over. Cut, cut it out. Like, <laughs> it was so bad. We were done. He's like, you're done. Yeah. Okay. But now, now we're back talking about what it means when you've 
plowed this road together and now he splits you off and now you kind of have to take everything that you learned and well multiply it with other people yes that's where the depression part comes in for me (laughs) (laughs) it's exciting for me because i love multiplication um so it's actually quite it's exciting for me but there's still like a bittersweetness uh, because at first or some minutes I don't understand why he couldn't have just used us to do that, to do the same thing. But I do understand that the the places he divided us are different. And so I can see why he had to send you to this certain group of women. He had to send me to a certain group certain group of women and so i can see the fruit of going after who we're going after because they're very different but with it it makes me think of um when we first learned about havar and men joined together to well yoked together Mm -hmm. to yoke together in friendship to well for a heavenly task for heavenly tasks and another definition of it is when you study it a little more, Havar actually meant band of brothers. And so I feel like in Havar 3.0, we have moved from just me and Stacy understanding that, hey, we have this beautiful friendship that God has given us and we have done kingdom work. So we've helped each other literally do a work in us and each other in the mighty name of Jesus. But now it's time for the band of brothers. And it is very weird to have a band of brothers that you're not in because right now I'm going to release the runners and they are becoming a well a band of band of brothers a band of sisters for me and I know that you have a a small group of your own that you've been um, with on Monday mornings and you also have been thinking like because you have a business to have a business there's going to be some kind of tribe that you connect with to even further your growth in your business. And it's kind of weird. (laughs) It is weird. And while we're going our separate ways, I still think this part of this Havar 3.0 is us also understanding how they fit together. Mm -hmm. So it is, I think it is unfolding. It looks, it looks like it's so different and yet they, they have to intersect. You know, when you talk about my part, which is, the intersection of faith and mental health and such a um, heavy emphasis on leadership, which is my training and, you know, a lot of what I talk about in terms of the church and then where you're going and it's a lot of you're, you're leading and then it has to be done healthily, healthily. So it's different and we're, and we're doing it in different bands of brothers, but they overlap, I think. And, you and I are talking about this so much behind the scenes too. just, um, I don't know the challenges and not talking about it so much as like all the personal details, but just more the ideas and the philosophies behind what we're doing. And I don't know, it seems to be what we do. You know, God sends us sort of one step ahead, um, and just makes us kind of work it out. So I don't know. What a it's, blessing. It's a blessing, yeah. I mean, if you really look at it, everything that me and Stacy did in the beginning, I'm really getting to do now at a multi I'm multiplying what I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um 
and the things that we did. And relationally, I'm doing so much better than I ever did having to learn how to be a better friend, a better listener, a better communicator, a better stayer, a better, just a better person in general. Yeah. (laughs) And friendship really taught me that. And it's just, I wouldn't have been able to Mm -hmm. if we didn't, even if we didn't blow up. If we, it's like it took almost that blow up to really call for such a change in who we were and how we functioned in relationship. I think it just, who knows what it did. Yeah. And so I encourage you guys, like you may be going through hard times with people right now, but I promise that if God is calling you to stick it out and stay or leave for a minute, but come back, he's going to use it. He's going to use it if you're in that place. And if you guys have already been in that place and you have overcome it and you're kind of more like us, like you're seasoned, it's, the blow up is gone, it's never coming again, and now you're just plowing what is for today, then you're with us for today. And that's good, too. Yeah. And so today you wanted to talk about what was the what was the, like the subtitle you gave us? Well... When I started running with runners, there were three markers of a band of brothers okay. that I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. All right. And we can maybe just talk if you see some of this in your group mm-hmm. too. And so just saying, hey, there might be, you have, you might have a best friend right now and you want these things, these markers and you too, but we have to go beyond that because we have to, if you I believe that God is a God who wants to extend his kingdom, his rule, his reign, not just in our, not just in us, because he literally comes and dwells in us. That means the king is inside. The kingdom is inside of us. And so it's, it's this work that happens inside of us. And then it happens. Well, I love how you say, you know, it happens with him happens with me. I got to work on self with self, with another with others around us and the world beyond us. Yeah. In that order. Exactly. And so we want to get to the others and the others, other others. <laughs> and so I think that these are healthy markers because I think we're going to see this season in the world where people are realizing that to be in community, to be in family, to be connected is so much better but we're, we have to do it in healthy ways. And so I want to talk about the markers that I've seen because I think they matter and they will really be markers that if they're not there, then I think you should run, not like release the runner. Like you better get away because, and Stacey, I know you could sit here all day and tell us too many markers about what is unhealthy, but I love like when people talk about the $100 bill being counterfeit where they just learn what the real one looks like. They're like, I don't have to sit here and talk about all the things that can make it wrong. Sometimes you have to look at just what makes it right. And so I just want to take a minute to talk about what makes it right. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So there were three things. One was hunger. Oh, sorry guys. I'm going to get a we forgot to get our cord. Whoops. Sorry. We're going to buy a new podcasting cord. So I'm sorry if I um, come in and out. But so the first marker is hunger. The second is humility. And the third is honor. Mm. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to just break those down because when we first started doing Release the Runners, these women were so 
hungry for the Lord and hungry to just do something that they did not care what it looked like. They did not care what it was that they did. They were just like, we are here. We are about it. Let's do it. Give me, and I've said it before, like they didn't care whether they held a toilet brush or a microphone. Like it didn't matter. And we would switch at any time. Like we were playing musical chairs. Like it totally did not matter. And so there is this hunger for the Lord, hunger, but a hunger for more. And I wanted to just camp out here in hunger because I wrote down today that I believe that a lot of people say it's the humility that kind of is connected to pride, but I think it's actually hunger that breaks pride. And this is why, because when you're hungry, you don't care what place you are. Yeah, you'll do you're anything. right. You'll do anything. When you're hungry, you'll do anything. You'll serve anywhere. You'll do anything for Jesus. And so I think it's actually pride that hunger breaks. It's mm. very good insight. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like when your group got together, would you say there was just this hunger to want to be in that place together? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's, there is a hunger. <clears throat> um, I'm almost thinking about it more like even with people who, who want the, the healing, you know, they're trying to run in their families together, you know, their, their family units and then their corporate families and then their church families. And there's when, by the time they end up in my office, there is a hunger. They've sort of reached the end of themselves of what they were willing to, um, I don't know, kind of like the end of the pain, as much pain as they want to tolerate. And now it's kind of like, I'm done, I'm done running. And so there's this hunger that that they realize that in order to go past this threshold, they've got to face some pain. And so we offer hope, you know, which I think is so with, I mean, you, you just can't, I think, be hungry for healing and for things of God when there's no hope. And so that's a lot of what we do is we face the, the pain and then we offer hope in life and love and relationships again. And so when you transfer that to community and even talking about runners, they're hungry because there's hope there. I think they're walking into this community and they're seeing something different that at the same time that they're being allowed to run, they're also being able in so many different ways. And we can talk about this another time, but, but through a lot of different ways, you're helping them face the pain you know, a lot in their relationship with God or with others or in their own hearts. And they, they are getting this infusion of hope as they they hunger. And I just think, you know, it's, it's just really beautiful, but yeah, that is beautiful. Hope the expectancy for good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It also means to be alert mm-hmm. for goodness to come. I think that's just so powerful. And, um, that makes me think like, here we are in, there's this hunger and there's this hope coming up, but it's because we created a space for it. That's right. And so just like in your office, we created, you created a space for people to bring that hunger mm-hmm. and actually be fulfilled, supplied with something Yeah, yeah. to yeah. feed them. And we know obviously our source is Jesus, but 
he's going to use practical, real life things. And so you are giving them tools to satisfy and we're giving them space and place to play and heal and grow and learn. It's the same thing. It's just in different ways that we're doing. I mean, imagine how cruel it is. You have somebody that says they're hungry and you don't feed them food. Well, when someone says they're hungry for the things of God and you don't feed them hope, I mean, they're going to starve. You know, it's like you just can't. You feed you feed hunger with hope. And it's almost like you make them hunger for hope. Yeah. It's like I can see this because you took me to that scripture that says, if you're hungry, will I give you a stone? Mm-hmm. Or I will give you bread. Like I'm going to give you food. And so it's almost like when you're hungry for something more, you're hungry for your healing, you're hungry for destiny, you're hungry for whatever it looks like that you're hungering for. You're hungering for Jesus. And it just makes me think that 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 hunger is producing a hope in the right incubator. Uh And so that hope is coming alive, but it's producing something when something is actually happening. When you're giving them tools, they start healing. It starts doing something like when once you start experiencing hope, you're not just hoping anymore, but you're experiencing like living out hope. One thing I love about scripture is in the Hebrew, they talk about the words. It's more in our culture, in our Western culture, we look at it as a noun. But in Hebrew culture, scripture is more a verb. So when you're watching something, it's like, it's not just like, I hope that that happens. It's actually living in active hope. It's verbing. It's hoping, which I love. I'm not just giving you hope, but we are actually hoping. We're expecting for good. We are alert for it. And we know that something is coming to be satisfied, like satisfaction is coming. It's pretty powerful. It is. And, and in my world, even in my office, you know, we talk a lot about hope and, and I talk about how hope is not passive. It's actually a plan. It is a verb, just like you, we can plan for hope. And a lot of that comes with just understanding that we have personal choice and personal autonomy, but a big component of hope is, is planning into the plan of hope. You, you factor it in there, knowing that if some, if you're trying something and something's not working, you can actually change it. That's part of planning for hope. It's part of verbing with hope. And so with that, I wanted to ask or just hit, you know, however you want to talk about it, but we're talking about vibing with the right tribe. And I guess I just want to say, like, if you, if you ain't feeling that hope, if you're not, if that hunger is not being met with this active plan, this verbing of hope, you might be vibing with the wrong tribe. Yeah, if it's like less than hope, if it's hopeless, less than the hope you were thinking was coming, well then, peace out. (laughs) Peace out. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. This is what I love about hope. And this takes me to the day we went to wherever that water was and we put up chairs. Do you remember that day? Oh, well, there's been so many, Var. Well, the day I fell out of the chair. Ah, yeah. (laughs) That one. Yeah. So Stace or I don't know, one of us were like, let's go sit somewhere. Yes. We're at the lake. Yeah. We went to the lake. We put out little chairs. We, we were by the time, so we were facing the lake, but in Havar fashion, by the end of it, we were facing each other. (laughs) 
Who goes when you're with your best friend? Who goes to the lake to look at the water? Yeah, you, you go look at the lake from your peripheral vision and you stare into each other's eyes. Now, have you heard the new word like tea or like yeah, spilling the yeah, tea? Yeah, spilling so the tea. we went to spill the tea. Like we did. We went to just talk about it all. And so yeah. you got to look at each other in your eyes to see the expressions <laughs> of when it's time. When it, and you just said, just say what you want. Just mm. say, just say, just it. say it. Just say it. Say who you are. Say what you want. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and so then I started doing it so hard because my bar was like, listen, I'm going to believe what you say. You tell me what you're hoping for. So I started like going for it. I'm like, I'm going to rule the world. No, not quite like that. But I did get excited and I started dreaming. I started hoping and I hope so hard. I tipped my chair, chair over. over. My chair fell over and I tipped. I never seen you hit the ground. I, I Humpty Dumpty hoped it right to the, I mean, I hit like a, a rock. I hit like, like a stone that it Jesus was, doesn't feed me, <laughs> like the stone that got rolled away. There's no wrist. resurrection in that moment. Yeah, that little wrist didn't move for about an hour. <laughs> Those leaves were like, you know how you hit and like the leaves, even like from my air, the air time that I got, the leaves like popped into my hair. You pulled a stick out of my hair bar. That's how hard I hit in my, the hope filled posture of my heart. But did you have hope? I had hope. Okay, like I, I didn't have hope that I could get up. I didn't have we... hope for your wrist, but I had hope for your heart. <laughs> I had hope for my heart and hope for the harvest to come. <laughs> so, but I, I say that to say, you know, when you're hungry for something and you have a people who will partner with that hunger, even if it doesn't look like what I shouted out, I had somebody who believed with me in that moment where I could expect something better than what I could see for myself in that moment. I, I had somebody hoping with me saying, you know what? I believe with you. I see that. I see that. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to just get those things out because, you know, for the most part, and we'll talk about the, maybe uh, we can go into the humility right now almost, because I think sometimes humility, like in the moment where you're just shouting out all your dreams and this thing, like, this is what he's called me to. I'm going to say it out loud. It can feel so not humble to do that in this world where you you feel like God has placed something inside you. And we know this. We've worked with women together separately that God has placed big dreams and big seeds of faith and big harvest inside women. And it's okay that we start partnering with that if we are hungry and then we go low and we say, God, I'm believing you for this, but I know I can't do it without you. And that's the thing. Like, I can't do it without you. But I think to grab a hold of hope, we have to go humble, but realize that humility still believes what God says is possible when it doesn't look like it, mm -hmm. like it is. Yeah. And so I just wanted to talk about humility. And I put right here that um, God talks about, what's he say about um, humility? It, it connects humility to grace. Um, I can't remember that scripture. Um, I'll have to find it, but something about he gives grace to the humble, right? Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. he gives grace to the humble. And I thought about that and I could just see how humility, true humility, when you believe God for the big things, when you're believing him for the 
big things that humility actually true humility where you believe him not yourself not on yourself not on her not on him but you put your hope and your trust you put okay i love this humility is where you put your hope so hope humility you put your trust you're putting your hope in jesus alone and that unlocks humility oh i love that that's good we're just going boom 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 Way to work your way to work. Take us all there, man. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's go. Come on. With us. So, yeah. yeah. So we, we started with the hunger that hope is released, but we need to put that hope somewhere. That's going to take humility because that's where we put our hope in Jesus. It creates a humble posture that releases the favor and the blessing and the grace of God. But the grace of God excuse me guys the grace of god is spirit empowerment to do what he is calling for Mm -hmm. i love that Mm -hmm. grace okay how many people think grace is just like oh he gives us more than we deserve it's so much more than that he gives us himself to such a degree that it empowers us to take a hold of that hope and do something with it Mm. bigger than we could ever think plan strategize yeah imagine that's awesome Man, she's so happy. Right oh, now. I just feel him. I feel him. I'm preaching. Feels so good, Bar. They have to get us to that third one, but I got us to the second. That's good. What do you think about humility? Well, uh, can I just, I want to interject right here. My thoughts. Do it. About big and small. Can we, I wish ladies, women, Var, Stacy. That we could all level the playing field and we'd stop trying to quantify big and small. And let's just name the things God has called us to and stop saying, stop trying to put a size on it. It doesn't matter. That's true. That's good word. It just doesn't matter. Okay. So how do we do that? I mean, it kind of starts with, I think, Let's just say somebody wants to, they've got this book inside of them, right? Uh And so somebody might say, God's calling me. It just feels so big. It just feels so big. It's just this, I think he's calling me to write a book and I just can't do it. No, stop quantifying it. Did God call you to write a book or did he not call you to write a book? So write the dang book. (laughs) It's already in there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we're having such a hard time with humility Because in our mindset, we're going, this is small. Oh, this is a little bigger. Oh, this is a little bigger. Oh, this is a little bigger. No, it just is what it is. Let God worry about the size. It doesn't matter. Just do what he's called, called you to do. Yeah. When you put sizes, it creates boxes, which we know I hate. And, um, growing up, we always kind of equated humility to smallness actually so i think that might be some of you too where you're like i have to remain humble in a humble posture so that means small like we better just do this small so it even like created i mean how do you know it's small that's not even humble that's so i know it's not how do you know it's small i don't know but when you build boxes around people you either have to Make it so that they die inside of them or escape to get outside of them. Yeah. Or you have to either break out because you can't fit or you never get to grow that big and you feel bad. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's either too tight or too big or too, you know what I'm saying? Then I'm forcing myself to either not be enough or be more than 
too much. It's so, it just so does dumb. A, it does a lot it's of things. It's like even a woman, you know, she'll sit in there and go, well, God hasn't really called me anything big. Like just, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing this. No, just if we could all just state what we're doing and just be real about it. You don't know if it's small or big. Stop trying to quantify it. So it's they need their own Lakeview shout out. They do. Do you remember the words that you told me to say? No. <laughs> they were erased by when you fell. Oh. <laughs> the whole, uh, everything. Well, how would you go failed. about stating, not big, not small, not sizable, but how you would go about, say that again, how would you, how would you go about saying what he's called you to do? Right? Is that what you said? Yeah, just, just say it. You don't have to quantify it. Is if, if it's, if it's big, if it's small, if it's medium size, like there's but we kind of said it, it like it was true, and that it was real. Like we said it yeah. like it was, like I am an author. There ain't no book yet, you know. Like I will be an author, and there's no book. It's kind of like what happened in the chair. There's a book in there, and I could be like, oh, I'm never, you know, there could be a lot of yeah. things that I could say to that thing, that hope. But I'm gonna kill that book. If I do that. And so instead, I was in that chair. It's like kind of being in that lake chair and just, I am an author. Whatever it looks like for you, I think it's just instead of squashing it or building it up, like you you just call it out. Yeah, I mean, what I tell people all the time sitting in my chair, I congratulate them on their mental health journey. And one of the first things I say is mental health is reality at all cost. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. It's reality at all cost. Just say what's real. Just well, that's too bad. What if the book is not real, Var? It is real. It's in if it's in your heart, if it's in a thought, if God has called you to it, it's real. Okay, see, it's real. that's good, guys. Good to know. If it's in there, it's real. So you may as well just shout it out. Yeah. Release that favor. Release that blessing. Okay, so humility, mm-hmm. humility, the grace to do whatever the Lord needs to tell you to do. It's a place where hope is found, where you place your hope in Jesus. Humility also has that flip of the coin where it's willing to, I think we've had to learn it in just us coming back to each other when it seems hard, having harder conversations. Like humility looks like something. It sounds like something. It tastes like something. Like I believe that humility is something that you can experience almost with all your senses and that you have to share with almost all of your senses with the people around you, not just with me and you as besties and bars, but also something that we're going to have to experience amongst community where we posture ourselves to be a place of blessing and favor and grace of the Lord to do what we're called to do from that place of hunger and hope, but also do it in such a way where it creates just this servant like heart, this, yeah, just saying, Hey, there's somebody else here. And, um, I'm learning that to, to steward a, a movement. That's what, I mean, release runners is a movement and I'm looking out right now and I'm seeing women added. It's like they're added daily and I have to look and I have to say, Oh my Lord, these are real people. And it, I'm telling you, if you look through the eyes of Jesus at the cost of helping people of 
just doing what's in there. There's a cost to it. And it's that this is real life. It affects real people. And you better get so low so you don't miss the people in front of you. I'm sure you would say that too. A lot of people sit in your chair and nobody, it's like nobody got, nobody will get low enough to talk with them and meet them where they are right now. And that's some of the problem. I think when we talk about health, like humility will be what paves a way to real connection because I will see you face to face and I'll care about that. I care about you. Yeah. I'm seeing that a lot play out right now in my, in my uh, controversial Facebook posting <laughs> say that. and I talk a lot and I write a lot about spiritual spiritually abusive practices languages language and ideas in the church and so when I post things I'm really seeing where some people who that may not be their experience is really coming well they're coming they're approaching it like that um, and they're coming at it. They're, it's feeling very dismissive um, to other people. I wish people could see when I get when I get some of those comments like, "Well, why can't people just, I don't know, be happy and pray for their marriage, or you know, support their support their husband, or you know, whatever?" And that's all well and good for healthy marriages where it's safe to do that. Uh, what they're not understanding is that so many, so many women's for I'm just giving an example but so many uh women's marriages are not like that it's not it's not a place where they can safely pray for their husband and support him they're getting run over and they're like a bulldozer and so some of these you know when I comment and somebody may come on who doesn't understand and and they're they're trying to help I think but I don't think they understand like I'm getting messages from people from women who are like man that ouch, like that hurt, you know, just private or man, that felt really dismissive or, or they're coming back on my feet and kind of countering it. But just to go to humility and say, I may not understand what this person is saying. And right now, even if I have something valuable to offer, I really am not sure it's my place before I have listened and tried to connect with what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And there really is, I feel like, and what I've worked so hard to do in my office is before I've earned the right to, to say anything. Well, first I have to just listen and be there and really get in the place with them. But I want their words and their pain to literally resonate within me. And until it does that, I, I don't, I just don't have a right to come at any other place other than this, this humble posture that says, I don't know that I understand. Tell me more. Tell me more. Please tell me more. Yeah, it's almost like humility is just a hub for compassion mm -hmm. and empathy mm -hmm. that really can be quite beautiful Absolutely. if you would take the time to go low enough to actually humble yourself enough to yeah. listen and actually put the shoes on of somebody else. You know, we're called release and runners and I'm trying to teach women how to put their own shoes on almost. But then, you know, the next step that you're going to have to teach too, is like, don't, 
you better understand that all shoes look a little different and some are dirtier than others. Mm -hmm. And you don't know why that scrape is there. You don't know why the shoelace is gone. And so we're going to have to talk about that one day about how shoes are going to look different in different seasons of life and how we treat people according Mm -hmm. to what, what their shoes look like. Yeah. That's a metaphor, but um, that actually swings me into the last one, which is honor. And so that is the third marker that I noticed about how my band of brothers, my band of sisters really honored one another to such a degree that was so powerful. And I bring this out of humility because you're saying, you know, humility, it is God giving us the grace. He gives us that spirit empowerment to do what he's calling us to do. But that takes humbling ourselves, going low, billing, being willing to look at something in reality, almost the same that can go for any of these being hungry. It's all going to take a reality check that says, listen, we got to just posture ourselves to be hungry for the Lord. We've got to posture ourselves to be humble before him and before others and then to honor. And I love what honor means. Um, I did a leadership school and the, the leader, he spoke about honor and he said, true honor actually wants to see somebody's face. It wants to hear their voice and misses them when they're gone. And then when you're away from them, if like somebody was talking about you when I wasn't with you, I don't even care if you did it. Like they could bring the worst thing that you did. I would talk about you as who God created you to be. So it's talking about you and protecting you in such a way that no matter what comes in this said about you, I protect you outside when I'm not even with you. And so I think we do need to be a people because in this world, it's a very selfish world. Like you deserve to be heard and you deserve to be seen and you, you, you. But now we're getting to this point where, yes, you matter and you have to. Self-care is important. That's not what I'm saying. But then it comes to where we have to kind of stretch outside of ourself to the band of brothers to look around. There's other people and say, I actually care what they say. I, I want to hear this. I want to be with them in proximity. So to see you means I actually have to be in community with you because we talk about wanting relationship and we want community, but okay. And we're talking about this and this is hard in this season for us guys. We're like, we actually have to, we may have to do something weird that we don't do. And we may have to schedule the time in because we're busier than we have been. If that's what it requires, I don't care. Like you have to be face to face in community. That means I want to see your face. That means I have, I'm have. i not talking about Zoom call. I'm talking about like couch call <laughs> and house call. <laughs> not couch, you know, not Zoom call, house call. Okay. We need people who we can actually be. I can touch you. I can see your face and then I can hear you. That means I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you're saying. I'm not, I'm going to actually listen. And Var, I, this makes me think of the listening thing that we were talking about, mm-hmm. but um, do you have anything to say to any of those? Um, only that honor takes effort. And that's what I feel like, you know, everybody wants to, to honor, but nobody wants to put in the effort of the face to face and, and the compassionate ear and, 
the going low and the humble, you know, that's everything we've talked about is just leading us to, to honor people. And it takes effort and you have to spend some time learning how to do this. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't come easy. I don't, I just, not, even us just sitting here and going, oh yeah, honor, honor. No, we have to practice honor. It takes effort. Everything we've talked about here takes effort. And sometimes I think we're sitting around waking, waiting for some spiritual deposit that is not going to happen unless we put some effort into this stuff. And the spiritual deposit is the hunger. It takes us back. You know, it cycles us around. It does. That deposit is the hunger, but the rest of it takes effort. Yeah, it does. And honor, um, I had a thought, but I think it left me how you said it takes, it takes effort. Where was I going with this? It'll come back. Yes. Keep on going. Carry on. Mm-hmm. Or did you lose <laughs> it too? I was done. There's a scripture. I think it says like they honor me with their lips, but their actions are like, yeah. Psh. Yeah. And yeah, we say that we want to honor people, but honoring means really, um, to me, I connected honor. I said honor at the highest level of honor, I think is love. It's because God says love is the greatest of all these things. Like everything that you could do doesn't matter. It all melts down. The greatest of these is love. And so I think honor is so connected to true love. Because if I truly love you, then I'm going to listen to you. If I truly love you, then I actually want to be with you. I want to know you. I'm going to like get humble enough to be like, oh. That hurts you. It hurts me. That makes you happy. That makes me happy. And so it kind of folds over into everything else too, just like it cycles and unfolds. And so there's this humility that comes with, I honor you. I place you before me even like, and it's something that we don't know how to do very well. And it's something that you have to practice all of these. I, I mean, all of these, I think today is just this Havar call to the three H's that say, hey, are you hungry? Are you walking in humility? And are you loving well? Are you honoring people? Do you care? Do you care about people? Because God says, love me and love others. Like it's so simple when life melts down. I don't care if a book's in you because if you don't know how to love, then that book at the end of your life, it, that book may burn up in heaven in front of you because you didn't love. And that scares me a little bit to know that I could just walk through even being hungry and humble and, you know, but not loving, not getting to the, did I honor well? Did I honor my Lord well with what I did and what I gave and did it equal love to him? Because if it, it doesn't. What good is Havar 3.0? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not yoked together in love. That's if you want to know if you shouldn't be somewhere, if there's not love, then you need to leave. Cue the music. (laughs) If there's not love where you are, you need to leave. Good word, Mark. Good word. Be free, people. Be hungry. Be humble. 
honor, love well, and if there ain't love, it's okay to leave. Amen. Amen.